And now, here's this episode of the Elevating IT Podcast, sponsored by Audit. Welcome to the this episode of Elevating IT Podcast, recorded live every week on Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with my good buddy, Frank Benedetto. Frank, hey. Hey, Mike. How are you today? Doing great. And we have a special guest today. We have an audit user, but also just a handsome man, uh, Michael Einbinder Schatz from Jobeka Technology. I'm just looking um, for the handsome man. What the? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Hang Mike. on a second. Let me do. Let me do a little introduction because you are a celebrity. Not only are you the, one of the stars of Cybercrime, Cybercrime Two coming out soon. You have your own YouTube channel. You're on the news all the time. You're an award-winning speaker. You're all over the place. But also, you were booked to be on another podcast, literally at the same time as our podcast. That's how popular you are. We had to we had to do all this uh, rearranging. I had to get the limo is picking me up to take me to the <laughs> other studio after this. It's it's crazy, it, you know. Um, I mean, thank you for that introduction. I'm I'm humbled. I'm certainly I'm certainly no celebrity. I'm just someone who's putting myself out there. I feel like as a 24 year MSP and someone who's pretty much made every mistake possible and continues to make them, um, I kind of enjoy sharing those stories. Uh, along with the successes and the things that have been helpful. And that's why I saw a, a terrific opportunity to uh, talk to you guys. And uh, because I, you know, I love working with audit. It, it just makes a real difference with what we do. Shameless plug. There we go. You know, well, we appreciate Michael, Michael, you know, you know why I love you, buddy, because, um, you know, as, as Michael McCallowitz says that we have an obligation and a duty, right, to serve our clients. And you epitomize that because you put yourself out there and you're educating and you really do care about your clients and, and prospects. And I, I think that's what it's really all about, you know, for us elevating that quality of IT that's available to them. And, you know, the best way we know how to do that is, of course, to, to, to spread the word and get out there. So uh, I, I applaud you as one of my brothers in the foxhole. Um, Thanks, proud, to have, proud to have you there, buddy. Yeah, and I love watching you, Michael. You're really a natural. I mean, you're just a great speaker. So it's it's a blast to watch you, and it's a blast to know you, and it's a blast to have you here today. And I want to let uh, everybody know what we're talking about today is um, we're going to really talk with Michael about his his retention rate and how he deals with um, engaging and and keeping his clients happy. He's got an amazing track record. I mean, just some stats here. He's kept his average client average retention is 10.7 years and up to 50% of clients average 18.1 years. Uh, that's huge. So we want to talk to you about that, about how you engage your clients, how you get, move them, you know, keep them so long and move them through that cycle. Well, I think it takes, you know, at the surface level, it takes a certain amount of codependency where you take on your clients problems to a degree where you don't eat or sleep. And, and I say that semi tongue in cheek. Uh, I, look, I'm 19 years removed from doing any technical work for my clients because I realized that wasn't, that wasn't a fit for who I am. Uh, I didn't know what was 
really. I mean, I've joked, I've made jokes over the years, you know, I'm the guy who has lunch with the clients and whatnot, but that's not really the juice. The juice for me is um, getting behind the scenes and understanding what motivates them, what's driving their business organization forward, what's holding them back. And it's not like I know everything or even very much about uh, any individual client's business. Uh, you know, I'm not an attorney. I'm, uh, um, I don't run a nonprofit. Uh, but when you, when you engage with clients at a level where they feel comfortable in sharing what's going on at a completely different level than just the IT level, what's going on in HR? It's a nonprofit. How are you, how are things going during COVID with your funding sources? What alternative channels have you found to generate engagement in your donor base and keep yourself relevant, for example, in these times? You know, that's strategy discussion. And it took me many years to understand that that's the juice for me, for me. And, and I think because I project that with authenticity, which is just to say that's real, um, some people are going to connect with it. And, and, you know, look, I don't have to tell you guys, you know, Frank, you especially, you, you deal with a, a very demanding uh, clientele and, and they know how genuine you are. And you've been in the trenches working with them for years, both when you were on the inside, like me, I worked for a law firm, very demanding. Um, the clients that matter, the ones that we want to engage with, care about that stuff it means something to them it doesn't mean you have to be best friends but they know that you care and then when you're coming to talk to them about things like the red boxes on an audit report they're going to listen yeah so yeah. mike mike had pointed out something last week which which what you're saying kind of reminds me uh, of that and and he was saying how when i when i do my business reviews with clients you know we we use that report and we might spend 10 or 15 minutes on the report and 45 minutes discussing what kind of what you're talking about, which is building and solidifying the relationship, everything from how are the kids to how's business? Tell me a little bit more what you're doing. How's, how's the new office coming at your building, you know, whatever it is. And um, I think that when you do it that way, they don't try to duck you when you try to book the next business review. Right. If they don't feel like, just trying to sell them something right exactly and if you you know we hear from some msps that say you know it's really hard to do business reviews because like you know, how do you get them to say yes the, pro the clients don't want to meet with me and i think it's 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 because of what you've done to them in the past right if you show up with you know ticket reports and all this stuff that puts them to sleep that they don't care about and then try to sell them stuff of course they're going to push you off but if you're going in there to you know, hey, I'm gonna educate you a little bit. Let me just explain where we're at. You know, and then hey, let's move on and let's, you know, tell me about how things are. And like you said, you genuinely care. I do find that that leads to longevity. It also helps when you when you make a mistake, right, or you screw something up. You've got that relationship. They're less apt to just say you're out of here because you know we barely know each other. And I think that you know, at least that's what I'm hearing. And it reminded me of what Mike said last week. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. We, um, I, you know, I've struggled at times, frankly. I I have done the the 
QBRs before that term even existed with the with clients who would glaze over because we were just presenting a whole bunch of irrelevant information. And by the way, I don't want to just sound like someone who has this down. We are constantly trying to review our strategic uh, business review process. We use the SBR acronym. Um, and by the way, just as a side note, and I, I think you know any folks who are watching this may find this interesting. This is just something that's worked for us. Um, I used to be in HTG. I don't remember. It's ConnectWise Evolved. Is that what they're called now? I think years and years ago. And you know, my very first meeting, which might have been in 2005 or 2006, Arlen Sorensen came in and addressed the group. And he talked about the evolution of MSPs 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and 4.0. And without getting into what each level meant, the thing that really stuck with me that day and 15 years later, I still remember it, was the ultimate goal is getting a seat at the table. So if you think of the table, you think who has the seat at, at a business or organization's table? Well, it's usually like the accounting firm and the law firm, you know, legal. I mean, there might be some others here and there, but, you know, back then, especially, most businesses saw us as the guys who were hopefully not exposing plumbers cracks as we crawled under desks, hooking stuff up, right? And, and I was like, I want that. I'm not, the, you know, I want, I want, I want to be the guy with a seat at the table because I want to be relevant. And in order to be relevant, you gotta, you have to talk about the things that matter to them. You have to attempt to learn their business, at least to a level where you can have a, a cogent discussion with them. Sometimes you can make recommendations that are outside things. You know? I, would, I would love to uh, do some research back in the industry and figure out who originally taught what should be done at these reviews because it seemed like it was all technical stuff right and clearly that person who who got up on the stage and originally told all the you know the, the msps back when i guess this became a thing um I, I i guarantee you they had they never actually did it themselves right they're never in the trenches and actually experienced what it's like to be on the receiving side of those, you know, those reports and, and then like watching your, like you said, your client's eyes glaze over and, uh, and clearly not well-versed in sales, right? It was all about tech and, and, and the mentality that, oh, that, that the client's going to be dazzled by, by pages and pages. I used to say to people, I don't, I don't go in with ticker reports. You know, if there's a problem, the client's going to tell me, right? It's perception based. I always like to find out. I ask my, my team, hey, anything I, I should know before I go in there and, you know, I get I put myself on the hot seat. Um, so, you know, I try to be educated. But, you know, we could think we're doing a bang up job and we show up and maybe the client's opinion of that is different. Well, you know, there's no report that's going to matter if, if you know, if, if it doesn't validate what they're saying. So I'd rather just listen to them and not pull, not, not, you know, dispute them and say, well, yeah, but our ticket report shows 90, you know, 8% of, of, of something. So, um, you know, clearly who we were originally taught this wasn't, it wasn't about the, the relationship building side of it. It was all about the technology side. And I also think that it was, it was because at the time, that's when all these tools became available, right? So we as technicians, we we get excited about these, this stuff, right? The blinking lights and, you know, that's what makes us tick. 
So we were excited about it and we couldn't wait to tell our clients. We just forgot they don't care about this stuff, right? And then all these years later, a lot of MSPs are still doing the same old, same old, same old here. So, you know, this is something that we, we, I had identified wasn't working for me. And then, you know, through audit, we, we, we tried to change that process. And then of course, you know, teach this to other MSPs and, and try to help them become successful. By the way, I, I, I still do that sometimes. I mean, there's old habits that I can lapse into if I'm not careful. Working with audit helps rein me in a little bit, but you know, there's still a part where you have to make that really conscious effort, at least for me. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, with the top half of our clients being at whatever, I think it's actually 18.5, Mike. I, I, the numbers I sent you, I reevaluated, but whatever. It's an awfully long time. And, and, you know, we've gone through all sorts of things, you know, marriages, divorces, kids growing, going to school, illness with our clients. Um, I have to sometimes find a way to not geek out. I said I fired myself as an engineer, and that's true, but I'm still susceptible to BSOS, bright, shiny object syndrome, where, what do you mean this doesn't excite you the same way it excites me? But I've taken to just asking clients lately, look, we've been together 16 years, 22 years, whatever it is, you understand that we know what you need and your data protection is the most important thing. Do you want me to tell you all about this or can I just tell you that this is something we're saying you have to have? Right. And you know what, when I say that, it's amazing how often our clients are saying, yeah, we just, that's fine. If you think we need it, we just need it. Um, those are great relationships. They're, they're not all that way, but man, right. that is gratifying. Well, that's, that's what we talk about selling green boxes. The only way you can do that is if you have that relationship with the client and you are seen as their trusted advisor, right? Because they don't really want to know how that sausage is made, right? And you proved it because you asked them. They said, no, I don't care about it. Just serve it up. And so I find the same thing. Um, I don't know. The, I have to go back and look at the longevity of some of our clients, but we, we have a pretty long um, running list of, of clients have been with us for a long time. And I think you only get to that point is if you, if you are able to evolve as an MSP, keep up, and you certainly have to be able to educate them because you can't, you can't have them on, you know, 2005 technology today and things be the same, right? So you do have to, you know, figure out a way. It's funny, Mike and I, we did a call a couple of years ago with an MSP. They were so excited. They made a sale with auto. It was like their first time using it and they, they wanted to show us what they did. So we said, all right, you know, let's, we, we got on a call and they sent us their audit report. It was like 94 pages long. And I'm thinking, oh how did you make it 94 pages? And we, we looked and again, to satisfy themselves, right? The engineer, and I, and I have an engineering degree, so like, I'm with you. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I, if given a choice, I'll fall into bad habits and go to the, go to the light. Um, but but he took the report and edited the PDF and inserted all this tech stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I laughed. I said, you did everything you could possibly do to try to screw that sale up, but you, you still made it. <laughs> I applaud you. I said, never wow. do that. Never wreck this report like that ever again. <laughs> yeah, at least they led with with the important stuff. That's And, and that's what I always talk about with the QBR process, right? With your business review process. 
you can get into the weeds. You can get into the technical details if your clients want you to, but just start off with the audit report. Start off at the top, right, with a basic summary and give them the opportunity to look at it from a really high level and then eke down into the details if they want to. We have a, a summary report and we've been struggling with where to put it. Do we put it right in front of the audit report or right after? And we, I, my uh lead engineers are also the account managers and that was a decision i made years ago and trained them on how to do the pieces with that and i would love to say that they're um well first of all they are terrific at what they do and they care and you know from a longevity standpoint i mean i have we're small msp as you know we have three uh four engineers actually uh one is a level one who's um outsourced but our three engineers have been here 20 15 and almost 11 years, um, two of them deal with the majority of our accounts and they act as account managers. Um, but one thing I'm constantly doing is reminding them as we're going through things in our, in our um, SBR prep and in post review, we have to think strategically. We have to think strategically. I mean, it's like a mantra, you know, I beat it into their heads because, and they're really good at what they do. And they have that great skill set of being really good technically, but also being fantastic with clients, good communicators, all that stuff. But even with that, that strategic angle is not, that's not always part of the package. And I'm not denigrating them to say that. Uh, I, I just think that's where my skill comes into play and the two dovetail. But we do have pretty in-depth conversations about where to put things and how do we tweak and refine this because we have gone in with the best of intentions at time, times and then rabbit hole really down a path because and it, maybe it was just a sequencing problem. Maybe it was a language problem on our summary document. So now we've started saying all these sections that are in there. You don't have to look at this. Like, I don't remember the exact language. Basically, it's like, hey, if you're having trouble sleeping, go read the closed ticket report section. All you need to know is that we read that and we look at that for trends. And by the way, we found that Edna had seven support tickets for her machine last month. And maybe we should be looking at the whys and that's something we should be talking about. Um, but we don't need to review all of those with you. And you only need to do it really if you don't want to go out and buy SQL or something like that. And and they appreciate that. But you know, we had to go through a process where we made the mistake a number of times and then huddled and said, what can we improve? Uh, you know, doing our afterburner, if you will, um, to just sort of figure out how to continually improve the process. And it remains a process, quite frankly. How often do you do business reviews? Is it different for the client depending on the uh, the size? Depending on size um, and the overall need of the client. So we, you know, 95% of our clients are full stack, fully managed. And I, I think the longevity piece and the trust piece has a lot to do with that. I think audit helps us significantly because it provides a tool that's very easy to understand. Everyone understands stoplighting and everyone understands grading. You don't have to deal with that. But um, so if you are a, a fully, if you have the fully managed stack, 
you're going to be somewhere between two to four times a year is the goal. Okay. So as a little tip to any MSPs that might be out there watching this, uh, from a marketing standpoint, one of the things is when we go to our higher level package, I don't say quarterly, I say unlimited. Why? Most aren't going to want to see us more than quarterly. So we don't really have to worry about it. But if they do, they're engaging with us enough and we're glad to put in the work to meet with them. I don't think of that as we're spending all this time and there's money associated with it. If they want to engage with us every two months, I'll bet that we're going to be doing a lot more business with them, helping them out, helping them solve more problems. Um, for the couple of clients that we have on hybrid, you know, like monitoring only with the block time agreement. I mean, we, we have like, we you know what? We only have two clients that are on any kind of break fix and they're both MSPs that we're subbing for. So they don't really even count. You know, they're in other parts of the country and they have a, a, a local <laughs> office. But those clients that were on that before we moved them up to the, the more appropriate plan, we would do a, an annual review. So sorry for the long-winded answer there, but I, I think there's a lot. And I will tell you, you asked how often we're doing them. One final thing, I will tell you, we're still not doing them often enough. Even with the automated tools we use to schedule them, it can still be difficult. So it's you gotta you gotta work it. And how do you work it? I mean, what 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 are the what are the things that get in your way? And Frank, you too. You know, what are the things that that cause the client not to do business reviews or cause you not to do the business review with them? And how do you guys get around those things? You want to go first, Frank, or me? Ah, you go first. Go ahead. Um, well, I think at the end of the day, even for the most part, clients that we have great relationships with that really trust us, you know, there's two things. One is they're still scared of technology. So if I'm scared of something, it's just better if I don't deal with it, right? They know it's a rapidly evolving industry. They know the threat landscape is changing every day. And do I really want to deal with that? Or, you know, I'm a law firm. I could go work on this case I'm working at and, you know, generate hundreds of billable hours a week with my team. And I get it. But I, I and the other, that's the other piece, which is I'm swept up in my business. And yeah, I'll get to that some other time. But the responsibility falls to us to be vigilant and follow up and follow up and follow up until we get those appointments. And by the way, we met with a client yesterday that we had not met with in a very long time. I don't want to say how long we'd had some informals, but it was far too long on the, on the straight SBR side. And I just said to them, I said, we have to do this more often because the things you're bringing up are things that can be dealt with the things we need to talk to you about the changes. We're not doing that for you. And it's putting your organization at risk. And so they totally got it. We scheduled the next one right there on the call. I mean, it was good. It was a very candid conversation. And that candor is one of our five core values. I, I don't want us to be afraid of being the people delivering bad news. Right. So I rambled. Sorry, Frank. Take it away. No, no. It's Frank. great insight. Um, so I, I could tell you that... Um, and you just you you brought up a point, so I don't want to forget this. Um, I do think it's really important once you get on a cadence with your client is book the next business review before you leave. I started doing that like in my personal life. If I if I was getting a haircut, 
I say, you know what, let me, let me book the next one now because if I wait till I need a haircut, you know what happens. It's like they, they don't have anything available and, and it's just a hassle, right? I have to remember something and it, it's a hassle. And that's exactly what it is on the business side, right? So I want to take the hassle out of it. You know, I go to the dentist. Hey, should we book your next six month? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can't even, I can't even believe it'll be winter or it'll be the summer. You know, you go, I can't, you know, six months, that's, we're, we're going to be in uh, in March or something, but yeah, let's do that now. So I think it's important once you get on some cadence, book the next one. Um, for us, um, what we do, and we're actually, it's about to be released in audit is uh, a QBR scheduler where you can set up a template based on MRR. So you might say, hey, from zero to 2,500, I want to meet annually. From 2,500 to 5,000, hey, that should be semi-annual and 5,000 above could be quarterly. So you, and you could set whatever frequency. And then when you when you start adding the uh, the auditees into the system, it'll take a look at the MRR, which is going to be able to pull from the PSA tool and automatically apply that template and, and then suggest the, the, the schedules for you. And then you could adjust them, you could override them. So we think that'll be helpful. But for me, you know, Mike, you asked the question, like, why maybe uh, is it difficult from the client side? Like, why maybe they, maybe they don't want to be with me? Sometimes what I find is I've got clients, and you probably do too, Michael, they listen to everything I tell them to do. Like, we've got that relationship. So if I'm hunting them down because I say, hey, you should add this $2 a month per workstation thing, right? New cybersecurity, whatever. And you have 20 workstations. So it's going to increase your bill by 40 whole dollars a month. And I'm hunting them down for weeks or months, but I haven't rolled it out to them. And then I get them and they say, you mean to tell me for 40 bucks, you left us like naked on that thing that yeah, you're telling yeah. us we need. So Mike's always amazed by this. And I'm not going to mention the vendors, but you know, some of the players in our, in our space recently. And you know, the other ones, it's a dollar fifty, two dollars I added, uh, since COVID started, $5 a month to manage workstation across my entire base. Had one client question it, nobody else ever even said a word to me. I increased prices. People like other MSPs are like, oh my God, it's COVID. You can't increase your prices. Yes, you can if you're adding more value. And I said, I don't want to sit down with a client after something bad happened and say, you know, we have a product that would have would have helped and would have prevented this issue you now have. But I didn't get a chance to meet with you because it was COVID, right? Or because I was remote or you were unavailable. So I routinely, you know, and there's a threshold there, you know, we can't just add $1,000 a month and say, oh, I thought you'd like this, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But but I routinely have that. So what I find is some of my clients are, are, are not hesitant, but they're like, we just met. Like, everything's good? Like, is there anything we need to buy? No. All right, then let's just, now let's wait another three or six months. So those... Even though some of those are what other MSPs would consider high MRR clients, I've got that relationship where things are good. And you know what? They, you know, we, we can get on less of a frequent cadence. Now, I always try to keep my eye on that because I never want to get blindsided and you haven't met in six months and all of a sudden you get that email like, hey, we're going in a different direction. You know, what happened? I thought things were great, but, you know, not good so far. That hasn't happened to me. But um, that that sometimes does happen, Mike, where, you know, they just they say, hey, things are great. Like, is there something you want to talk about? Is this 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 hammered out right now? We don't need to necessarily get together. But other than that, I think that once you once you start those meetings, and you start doing them um, this way, where it's more relationship building. And one thing we talk about, Michael, and I'm not sure if you agree with this or not, but my belief is that the sale for a prospect is made during the discovery session. 
not in that last meeting when you take the proposal out, right? Because I, I, I argue that when you're building a relationship during that discovery, if you're doing it properly, if you're just, you know, plugging in a USB thumb drive, scanning for some data and you're out the door, you're not building a relationship. You sit there and really ask why and open-ended questions and really get them to, to help understand the problems. Now they're on your side of the table. Now they want to see what's, what are we going to do to solve these problems? Right? So I think that sale is made there. So if they're your existing clients, I think that sale continues to be made during those business reviews when you treat them the same way, not when you, you know, pound them over the head with a pile of tech that they don't care or understand. So I think those are. You know, some I, I, no, I do, no agree. I do agree. And uh, are you getting feedback now? Nope, that disappeared. I got a little echo there for a moment, but um, I, I actually do agree. I hadn't thought of it much in those terms, but. You're, you're absolutely right. It is about relationship building. And what you're setting in that initial discovery meeting is you're telling them by your, not just your words, but by your actions, who you are and what you care about and, and the degree of um, diligence that you put into things. And if they see you doing that, then when you go to present, there could be some issues that come up, but they're likely to be math problems. And by the way, if it doesn't work out at that point, it's probably just not meant to work out. And maybe that was a problem at the pre-qualification stage. You didn't, you didn't kind of dig deep enough and get the eye, you know, understanding like you see a, you see a $5,000 a month problem, you know, and they have a $500 a month budget. Right. And that's just not a that's just not a meeting to that's take. You can't deliver value, you know. Right. And, yeah, we we talked about that in a previous uh, you know session too, where the gap, which is really the value, right? Sometimes it's either not it's not wide enough, where you say, well, you know, there's no real reason for you to change, or some or sometimes like from a budgetary standpoint, they can't possibly close the gap. So you know, it, it does help you disqualify some prospects like you can't work with everybody right so right. some of them they you know you don't waste your time and you can you can know, you can bow out and you can drip market you know maybe their circumstances will change sure. Sure. awesome well listen guys it's uh, this is a great conversation i'm sitting here enjoying this and um i want to do it again michael we got to have you back but we've got to get you on your limo to uh <laughs> Yeah. Your next, there you go. Your next okay, I need to change my shirt, so it's not a dead giveaway. I did all this. <laughs> and Michael, no hat today. No hat. Like what happened? I know. You know what? I had a great new hat that I wore all at our meeting that I, I was just telling okay. you that I was at for a couple of days, and I, I don't know. It was raining today. I didn't feel like getting. All right, we're going to give you an opportunity to uh, to come back and uh, and and this time I want to see a hat. Uh, I'll wear a hat. I, I, always, I always love your uh, your sense of style, especially when it comes to that. <laughs> well, I can tell you this, by the way, I got a lot of comments down in Delaware uh, for this. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, Michael just put on a mask that looks like uh, you, you're going to explain that. Well. And, uh, one of my colleagues in my uh, uh, MSP Ignite peer group said, you got to get these. They're from a company in Canada. It's got a filter on the inside and a hard shell mask. But, you know, if you look at it closely, 
it might resemble a Hannibal Lecter mask, but really more than that, it looks like a, a cup. It looks yeah, like, it looks like, like, it looks like a cup that I wore when I was a catcher in uh, in, uh, in Italy. It's kind of small mask too. It barely <laughs> barely even covers your uh, your chin. <laughs> Well, I got I got some style points on it. It's got uh, it's yeah. got silicone, so it doesn't fog my glasses. That's that's the big the big point. But anyway, it was great uh, great seeing you guys, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Yeah,